He's slowing down here, slowing down. There you have it. I'm Lamont Banks, along with David Banks, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, Dave Zapolo, Samson Riddle, William Williams, Quentin Stewart, Dennis Merritt, and Tanique Wright, and the entire AJC radio team tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be very candid with you tonight on this show that they're saying we this needs to change. This needs to stop. 60 to 90 bullets. Shot in the back of a black man running away. Not a threat. He's running away from officers. 
How does this keep happening? Because the cops believe that they are above the law. How do you put that many bullets in the back of an individual? It is absolutely uncomprehendable. Everybody thought we had people marching during the death of George Floyd because that was seen around the world. People said, oh, what a shame, and we're going to march, and never seen a turnout of protests on that level. Two years later, here we are, another black man killed senselessly uh, at the hands of officers. And let me be very clear, we're not putting all officers in one boat. We're dealing with the corrupt ones tonight. That is our job. That is what we are supposed to do. I was just going to say, I was reading this article, and it says, after all of the protests over George Floyd's death in 2020, new data shows that the number of black people killed by police has actually increased over the last two years. Unbelievable. And we want to wonder why black individuals are hesitant to pull over are hesitant to let an officer walk to the window of their car? The numbers have risen since the killing of George Floyd? That is disgraceful in this country. So pardon me if we're not excited that black people are going to stop dying on our streets. We have no data to support it. The data we have is more blacks are going to continue to die. If George Floyd did not spark change in broad daylight when an officer murders a man and steps his knee on his neck until he stops breathing if that didn't constitute change in this country nothing will i can tell you that right now Stephanie, go ahead no just sitting here looking at a uh, another article and it says that at that black people basically make up less than 15 percent of the population but it, when those fatally shot by police they make up 30 percent of the encounters Last year alone, almost 1,100 people were fatally shot by police. Now, if you do the math on that, we're talking close to 400 people, 400 black people that were shot and killed just last year. And that's just if the statistics are right. And that's just the ones that are reported. But, I mean, too often we hear that. I mean, you listen to that recording. That's what we would call a hail of gunfire. Why do you need to have 100 bullets almost flying at one unarmed individual because that's what the report said. They said, oh, we found a gun. You found a gun in the man's car that he could have easily legally possessed. When he was fleeing for police, he was unarmed, and they gunned him, period. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. And how, how do you justify How do you justify almost 100 bullets in the back of an individual? Well, you, I mean, for perspective, you had eight officers. If each officer fired 10 times, Ten times at a man fleeing from them, that's 80 bullets. And they had, I mean, so so we just talked about the the lethal um, shootings we've had with and the AR-15. What about this 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 encounter right here? I mean, you're talking about they said 60 wounds, six zero wounds in the body of that young man, and they said that the 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 uh, forensic, I guess, the medical investigator, when he showed up, the body was in handcuffs. It was like, well, what is what is the significance? Yes, that's the le- that's the latest development as reported when, by If me. he's running away, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. David, your thoughts? Well, it's definitely not shocking. Uh, uh, these are just men with power. They're no different than any other uh, uh, criminal on the street who may use violence. Uh, 
give, give, give them the power of a gun. Uh, they always try to get the benefit of the doubt because they're police officers. Again, do they have a tough job? Yeah, but uh, you still need to hold bad people accountable, which is still doesn't happen enough uh, in this system. Furthermore, uh, there was a story uh, four days ago, and this might be somewhat explain why police are killing black people, where a Michigan police chief was apologizing because his department was using black men for target practice, pictures of black men for target practice. Are you kidding me? No. So they have pictures of black individuals at the range. Holding weapons, black men holding guns and at the at the shooting range for police officers, that's what they put up and they're shooting at those black men. We are going to address that issue on the other side of this break. You have got to be kidding me. The Department of Justice should be going to that city shutting it down. How's that even apology? That comes from the top. That is, I, that is, I'm floored with that one. I'm completely floored with that one. So let's just put up some pictures of black men with guns, and that way, that we're practicing to kill blacks. We're rehearsing to kill blacks. We're going to deal with it, folks. I, I really want to hear from you folks tonight. I know most folks listen to our show on the air, uh, on the internet. If you could take a minute and pull away and call this show. We'd like you to do that at 646-200-0628, 646-200-0628. A lot to discuss. The violence in America's streets, and they're not by criminals. They're by people with a badge. We deal with it tonight on AJC Radio. We'll be right back. There's a lot of mud when it rains here, and it makes it really hard to find food. There are car bumps every day. My mom worries about me when I go out. Every time I hear the alarm bell go off in school, I think it's an air raid. Sometimes I have nightmares about it. A lot of houses in our neighborhood have been destroyed. I like to close my ears and sing songs whenever the bombs come close. My dad says we have to leave, which makes me scared. I'm worried our new neighbors won't like us. What if they don't understand our religion? Because they don't speak the language, it might be hard for me to make friends. But I know it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be worth it. I just want my family to be safe. But these are not my words. These are not my words. These are not my words. Thank you. 
Meeting a teen girl online is actually pretty easy. You can go into any chat room and just start talking. Most of the girls are usually so insecure and desperate for attention. Attention from older guys is totally flattering. They're so much more mature and understanding than the guys might. Age actually works to my advantage. They like to brag to their friends that they're dating an older guy, so I just play along and pretend I'm really interested. interested in the same things I am. You can talk forever and really get to know someone without worrying about looks or whatever. That's the best thing about chatting. Chatting seems unthreatening to them, so they lower their guard. After a while, I start talking about how we're soulmates and how lucky we are to have found each other. Other people don't understand. I know what I'm doing. If you really care about each other, there's nothing wrong with me. Meeting them is the goal. Once I get them out of their house, well, that's when things get really interesting. Online predators know what they're doing. Do you? part-time jobs, and to help my parents pay the bills. Any problem-solving skills? I got through high school without a car, a phone, or a computer. No college degree, though. Not yet, but life's taught me a lot, and I'm ready for more. Well, you're not the typical kind of candidate that I hire. But you are exactly what I'm looking for. Your company could be missing out on the candidates it needs most. Learn how to find, cultivate, and train a great pool of untapped talent at gradsoflife.org. A Bombard police officer who shot and killed a man. When I first saw the Oscar Grant footage, like a lot of people here in Oakland, I was outraged. As soon as I heard about it and I went online and I seen what had happened, tears came down my eyes. It was something that was very alarming as a police officer and as a citizen of Oakland. It was like such a blatant... Murder. You have a city in trauma. Anyone that's seen that and looks at it is in trauma. My hope is that people will express their concern with police brutality, but they will do so in constructive ways that don't include violence. We cannot perpetrate this cycle of harm and violence in this community. Because we do have to live here and they terrorize the city and it's only going to make it worse for us. They killed our young you can protest, you can try to make a change, but there is a positive way you can do it. And make sure we let the police know and that we're aware that stuff ain't right out here. We're trying to fix it. In a way that is about using your voice for justice and making Oakland a safer place for everyone to live and get along as one. Violence is not just Violence is not justice. Violence is not justice. Violence is not justice. I stand for peace. I stand for diversity. I stand for dignity. I stand for respect. I stand for fairness. Who's been sent to prison who's innocent? 
The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855-529-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A just cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. Ladies and gentlemen, the AJC Radio tonight as we take a look at the tragic killing of Jalen Walker, uh, who was shot. I'm going to read the story that we have on it. Um, it's in Ohio. Police killed Jalen Walker, a black man in Ohio, by shooting him dozens of times, as we said earlier, uh, 60 to 90 shots in the back. Of, uh, of Mr. Walker uh, by shooting him dozens of times as he ran from officers following a traffic stop. Let's stop right there for a moment. A traffic stop. He wasn't running out of a bank. He didn't have any hostages on his arm. He didn't break into an elementary school and kill children. He was pulled over for a traffic stop. Um says here, a lawyer for his family says citing a review of police body-worn camera footage due to be made public on Sunday. I think that footage has now been made. This was a week ago. Um, in comments published by the Akron Beacon Journal, attorney Bobby DeSillo described the video as brutal and said Walker's relatives worried that protests this weekend could turn violent. The shooting was the latest in a state of killings of black men by law enforcement in the United States that critics say are unjustified, including the 2020 murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis that ignited global protests against police brutality and racial injustice. We're all bracing for the community's response, and the one message that we have is the family does not need any more violence. I'm going to speak to that in a moment. Akron police have said Walker, 25, fired a gun at officers. That is a lie. Let me make that clear. Fired a gun at officers who were pursuing him. How are you firing a gun at officers with your back to them? Kendrick? None of that makes sense because you say, if you look at the whole story, you say he shot out the window. He's running. You find a gun in his car. Mm-hmm. Now, he knew, just say, stick of arm, he, he knew he had the gun. He knew the gun was in the car. So why am I going to run then, turn around, and go for my waistband when I know I left my gun in my car? That's right. It doesn't make sense. Makes no so sense. I'm not going to run. So then why take the effort of running from the police? And again, you know you don't have this extra weight on your run, bro. But he's going, he's running away. He's running away. So I'm trying to escape, but then it just hits me. I'm going to turn around and start shooting. And start shooting, grabbing my waistband. That makes no sense. It does not. Uh, protest is a way of crying. Roderick Pound, senior pastor of the Second Baptist Church in Akron, said during a prayer rally there on Saturday after he was permitted to see the video prior to his being made public. Powers declined to describe in detail the graphic video the world is about to see. 
but he called the footage shocking, saying it showed Walker posed no threat when he was shot down in a manner the pastor likened to a massacre. He states it's barbaric, Pound said in an interview with local television station WEWS-TV that uh, you'll see tomorrow. Again, this was uh, last Saturday. Officials have said the deadly confrontation began when officers tried to stop Walker for a traffic violation while he was driving early Monday morning. Walker fled, according to the Akron Police Department, which said officers reported a gun being fired from Walker's vehicle. How is he? Okay. The gun fired itself when Walker was running away. So they said it was a, a vehicle chase that, that ensued. That's what they meant by fled, I believe. No, no. What I'm saying is but he got out of the car. Yeah, he well, got there, out there of the was, car. They're saying he fired out of the window of the yeah, car? Yeah, they were saying while they were trying to stop him for the traffic stop mm-hmm. that he, he took off in the car and shot out the window. Okay. Then stopped the car. And got out. Got out and ran. And, and he must be amazing because they said he was going 80 miles an hour when he shot out the window. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, this is this is something for Fast and Furious. Jason Bourne. No, absolutely. It says Walker was pronounced dead. Uh, officers chased him on foot and fired at him, saying he presented a deadly threat, a deadly threat for 60 to 90 bullets fired into his back. That deadly force crap that these people keep falling on is a bunch of crap. It's a bunch of crap. I don't know of a person, it takes one bullet to stop somebody. Why is there almost 100 bullets into this man? Can somebody answer that question? Police chief, answer that question. We, we want to reserve judgment. Reserve judgment? We just heard the bullets firing off of these officers' guns. How do you reserve judgment for that? How do you reserve judgment for that? Cicero said his team has not seen any evidence Walker fired a weapon and that police body camera footage showed him running with his back to officers when they gunned him down. But that's the quick answer. I was, th- I was felt threatened for my life. Guess what? Where would we be without body footage, body cameras? Where would we be? It's just another, it's just another dead black man in the streets of this country. And that's a massacre. The pastor hit it right on the head. That is a master. That is an execution. Killing. That's what it is. It's a hit. Not trying not to leave anything left of that man. That's what was. That's what it was. And that's a disgrace in this country. It is sick. And the fact that these officers turn around and try to excuse. How do you excuse that? You know better than what your officers did. Well, they're cooperating. They don't have a choice. And you got the Highland Park shooter. You're not telling me that was a that was not a deadly threat. How many people died there? Oh, seven. Seven, seven. people, and, and, and quite a few was wounded. But 24, 26 people were wounded. He walks out alive? Alive. Yeah, they said they used uh, techniques to de-escalate the situation. Well, oh, but if you're black, there is no techniques allowed other than putting a bullet in your head or your back. Exactly. Well, you hunt them down because they, they, they chased after it. So it's, you know that if you're chasing a person, let, let them run. You can catch them later. You have his car. You know his license plate. So you can go to this guy's house and apprehend him. But you have to chase him. And, and, and even if he did turn around and take a shot, 60 shots, I mean, that's how many hit him. But the, so you know there had to be more bullets. They just unloaded. They unloaded. But the problem here is no one shot back. 
Look what shot back. It says there's no evidence to support it. There's no evidence to justify it. That's a problem. That's a major problem. And anybody in this country that looks at that any other way, they always say black people use the black card. Well, you keep killing black people. The card don't have to use it. It's evident. What is wrong with this country? And what is wrong with these police departments that sanction this crap? The chief automatically comes out and defends. We're asking for a time of peace and calm. Well, we're asking for peace and quit killing our people out there. We don't get it. And here's the thing. It, it wasn't a killing. This was a massacre. This was an execution. It wasn't a killing. They didn't shoot him once and he happened to die. They shot him 60 times. How do you do that? He, he had to have started to fall after the first two bullets. That's right. That's, but that, to me, in my opinion, is motivated by hate. And it's a racial uh, motivated push to kill as many black people that we can. That's my opinion. Oh, no, Mom, the, the thing is, uh, it's not just an opinion. You know, the fact is the numbers back it up, period. How many white people or those of us with a little bit less melanin in our skin die at a traffic stop every year? How many of us? Now, you look at this. This is not the first time we've seen it start with a traffic incident that winds up with a, you know, with a black person, whether it be man or woman, that's been gunned down. What was it just a few weeks ago? A woman. They said, oh, she had a gun. We're talking about it here on the show. They just unloaded on her. Now, she, she thank God, she lived, but she didn't get hit 60 times. This yep. man, I mean, for the, for the sake of argument, they pretty much, they unloaded their entire magazine of rounds at a single person. person. If anything, you know, first of all, they need to change out who they're using as targets on the range. You know, well, that, I'm going to get to that. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Samson. If but you. but the thing is, maybe they need to spend a little bit, a little bit more time at the range because I'm sorry if I'm trained to use my weapon to defend and protect the community, and I have to unload an entire magazine to hit one person. I don't trust that person to try and save my life if I'm in danger. Don't shoot at me, officer, if somebody's got a gun to my head. Just let me be taken hostage because the fact of the matter is, with that percentage, I'm going to be shot before you, before you hit the criminal. But the fact of the matter is, now here, again, this man, the only reason this whole stop became fatal is because he, he was a DWB. He was driving while black. That's the fact of the matter is. I'm trying to figure out on a traffic stop. Say he ran a red light. Say he didn't yield at a stop sign. Why am I dead? Well, like Ken said, they could have easily put out an APB on his vehicle. They look it up by the plate. They know where you live. They know everything. All they got to do is wait. But my point is, and I understand that, here's the point. I may just happen to reach down for my phone and maybe roll through a little bit through a stop sign. Not killing anybody. Nobody's been hit by my car. Uh, maybe I'm going five or ten over the speed limit. Okay. How do I? How do black people continue to die doing a traffic stop? Well, well, the thing is, even even to that point, we've seen we've seen high speed chases. You've seen you've seen aerial footage of high speed chases. But this wasn't that. And this was this wasn't even that. And they and they'll get out. They'll. You know, the police cruiser will come in. They'll use their 
their uh, tactics to push the car out, you know, and get, get the person, bring the dog in, whatever. The bottom line is that person walks away in cuffs. This man and this man right here, you know that there's a lot of things here. And of course, we weren't there. We're going, and all of us are getting information and coming coming in. But the thing about this, I'm reading this right here. It says. After several minutes, the body body camera video shows Walker's vehicle slowed down, and and he exited the vehicle and ran. Several police officers got out of their patrol cars and chased him. Uh, and officers deployed tasers. Now this is what they're saying: officers deployed tasers in an effort to stop him. Police said, but were unsuccessful. Moments later, when the police said Walker stopped and turned towards the officers, they opened fire and killed him. So now you know now so you're saying that he got out of the car, they attempt they were close enough to deploy tasers, they were unsuccessful. You had thirteen, I think in this yeah, thirteen police officers in this in this um article I'm reading right now, they were unsuccessful. But the man turns around. Now he could have been surrendering, he could have been whatever. They opened fire on him. Well why they, why were they they're explaining that the shots were in his back? The wounds were in his back. Is that correct? Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, he they did say he was shot while running away. Well, wait. From now, so why don't you tell now, me there's a conflict here? Then why why isn't he shot in his chest and his face, his stomach? Where are the shots? None. No. And another thing that's here, not supported. Another thing here. This article says says his walkers was handcuffed when his body arrived at the medical examiner's office, according to the autopsy. Explain to me. Why this man was handcuffed when you gunned him down? You had to have handcuffed him after sixty bullets, sixty to a hundred shots were fired into his back, which means he's unconscious. Why is he handcuffed? Because they had a, one of the police officers claimed that he still had a pulse, so then they handcuffed him. Okay. Wow. And I was reading an article that just said he had a you pulse, and they were trying to render aid. And since he had a pulse, they had to handcuff he him. He couldn't move. He, he, there, there no, he wasn't and moving. And there was no gun. There was no gun at the body. But, the, was, but Mark, that tells you oh. how our country is in, in regards to the racial element. You have a man that's incapacitated, unconscious, and they're so, excuse me, I'm scared. I want to keep pulse. him handcuffed. But it happened before. The other guy, that's I what I'm saying. the other gentleman's name was killed. And they handcuffed this man. He was dead. So why did he have handcuffs on him? It doesn't make any sense. Is it to give them some type of validity that he was a threat? You can't use that in this case. I, I just think it's more of a dehumanizing thing. So I want, I'm, I'm treating you with the most disrespect in death that I can. Because there is no way you've seen a guy on the ground bleeding to death that you have to handcuff that you him. Have to handcuff. Well, then and then you tell me your first your first uh, uh, concern is supposed to be his life, that he's safety. You don't care at this point. You just they handcuff know, him. They know he's you dead. Put him in there. You know he's dead after 60 rounds. Well, you have to understand this stuff is baked into the culture for many, many decades. Blacks, I don't care if it's movies, television, television series, they were portrayed as heroes. No, I said black. Oh, black, yes. Are portrayed as violent uh, predators uh, and just very violent people. And 
once you you bake that into a culture of, of a society, um, they perceive innately perceive blacks and subconsciously perceive blacks as this deadly threat uh, that can hurt them. This evil that they have to eliminate. And if they don't eliminate it, even if he's the guy is bleeding to death on the ground, it's like Ken said, they could be a zombie. Uh, they haven't shot him in the head yet, so he can just get back up. After and, 60 to 100 after rounds. After 60 to 100 bullets if he wasn't shot in the head. That's some sick stuff. I'll tell you this. I want to share this story with you real quick as we get on with this show. Uh, I think David brought this up. Uh, Michigan police to conduct review after officers used images. Of black men for target practice. The photographs were taken during a Boy Scouts field trip. Wow. I can pause right there. The Boy Scouts of America went to a police department on a field trip and happened to see the images of black black men put up at the shooting range for practice. Prompting allegations of racial bias after the images show targets of black men holding weapons and children gathered around one of the targets. It shouldn't say prompting allegations. It should be showing proof. And it's proof. Yeah, Yeah, this is correct. Policing in the U.S. has come under immense criticism after a series of police shootings of black men that have led to anti-racism protests over the weekend. Video emerged of police killing Jalen Walker in Akron, Ohio. After he fled the scene of a car chase, Walker was shot dozens of times. Let me correct that, 60 to 100 times uh, by multiple police officers despite running away and being apparently unarmed at the time police opened fire. The family that made the allegations in Michigan does not want to be identified for fear of reprisal according to a local attorney, Dion Webster-Cox. This community does not need an overly aggressive police officer who wants to flex his authority, said Webster-Cox in a Facebook post. No matter how many defenses the police offer to justify this incident, to have school children or adults exposed to this practice is ignorance. In a council meeting in late June, the department's police chief, Jeff King, issued an apology and said the images were intended to represent a mix of both threat and non-threat targets. That's a lie. You have black men holding a gun. How do you justify that? One of the attorneys is outraged here. There's a lot. You could have you put cartoon characters holding a gun. Pointed at why are they all black. And, and what's outrageous here is the... Police chief also said that the targets at the department you are used are consistent with the Michigan Commission on Law Enforcement Standards. So that's not just the city; that's the whole state says you can do this. Now the chief thinks this is going to fix it. He says, "I'll take this one on the chin." No, you're going to not have a job. I'll take this one on the chin. I apologize to each and every person in this room, this community, my department, my city council, my city manager, Stan King. You endorsed it. You're not telling me you didn't know about that. And and so did every officer there. You tell me not one police officer complained that said, hey, uh, this is kind of uh, racist. Not one officer. It had to be some Boy Scouts to find out. The Boy Scouts gathered around one of the targets, and it was reported. They got caught 
slipping. And this situation shows where they should be doing cultural awareness and training to make them sensitive to the uh, culture that they police and protect and serve. Or just just, hire racist cops. Well, it's just the opposite. They they go and get some, some photos of guys they have in jail and use them as target practice. But they happen to be black. But my okay. thing is, you know, wh- what are our black officers saying about all this? That's that's the problem. You you got black officers that are being silent. You know, we got you know what? Code. I, I I don't know, but you I'm know, just saying there are not that many of them. But well, still, I mean, if I'm a part of that force, and and I'm out there and we're shooting at this kid, and it and it's not like a machine gun because of all everybody shooting. Come on. Hey Dennis, we got to say something too. But with that many bullets flying, if you're if you're a, a a black officer, it's real easy to one of those bullets becomes straight real fast and it becomes friendly fire if you open your mouth. Well, you got to understand they they may be they may be some type of you know going along with the blue wall. They may be just trying to have self preservation. Well, look, come on, officers are going to they fear for their lives. They have families. I'm not excusing it, but I am saying this. Uh, we had the sergeant out of L.A. County that came on this show uh, that stated to us that the culture is you be quiet or you pay or your family pays or your children. They know where your kids go to school. So what do you do? I'm not excusing it. The culture has to change from the very top. If that changes, everything under it will change. The problem is it's corruption from the bottom, from the floor up. That's what you have. And when there's no way, and that chief, he's all, oh, I'll take this one on the chin. Really no big deal. You know, the Boy Scouts of America happened to come across some African-American black uh, pictures. And guess what? The pictures had been shot at. So there were holes in these people's heads on the pictures. Yeah, and but just, and just got to come to the conclusion, the black officers are in on it, too. I mean, right, and that's it, a shame. Though. Yeah, it is. But yeah, that's is. part of it. They're part of the culture. They, then when they get in there, they sign up for this, or you wouldn't take that job. And you're right. I, I agree with you. I, how does a black officer say this is okay? Uh, other than I'm, I'm leaning towards in part. I'm not going to blame every officer that agrees with this culture, but what pressures are there? Uh, are there pressures? Hey, man, my wife can get killed in this process. I better keep my mouth shut. That's a reality. When, you t- when you're dealing with cultures in departments and institutions this large, a lot of repercussions can happen if you open your mouth. Again, I'm not excusing it, but I am saying that's a tough situation when you're trying to protect your family. That's just what that's part of it as well. And then you got those people that may be uh, have no problem with it. I don't, I, I don't, I don't understand that, but uh, that makes sense. Yes. Well, Lamont, one of the things, just perspective, statistics I just ran into, ran across in 2019. 67% of the law enforcement officers are white. Only 12% are black. So when you look at this, you're talking about enough, not enough diversity. Well, they're outnumbered. They're outnumbered. And then also, I, re- I was just thinking, we did, a, we did a show way back when we were talking about uh, law enforcement. We were talking about good elements of law enforcement and bad elements of law enforcement. We were talking about back years ago where the law enforcement officers actually police the communities that they lived in. Right. Now we don't see that. They they live someplace else, and they police in a different area of, of uh, 
of the town or, or the county or whatever. And that plays into it as well. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're coming back. we got a call from Nina and Ethel. We'll be taking those calls on the other side of this break. Ladies and gentlemen, feel free to dial into this show, 646-200-0628, 646-200-0628. This is AJC Radio, violence spreading wild, even as we revisit the two-year anniversary of the death of George Floyd. The madness continues. This is AJC Radio. Because I'm 16, I can't drive at night. Because I'm 16, I can't work past 10 o'clock on a school night. Because I'm 16, I can't get a cell phone contract without my parents. Because I'm 16, I can't get a flu shot without my mother's consent. At 16, I'm not old enough to watch an R-rated movie alone. Because I'm 16, I can't buy a lottery ticket. I can't vote. I can't drink. I can't smoke. I can't join the military. Because I'm 16, I can't sit on a jury, but I can be tried as an adult. I can get a lifetime criminal record. If I get arrested, my parents don't have to be notified. Because I'm 16, my mother had to sign this consent form so that I could participate in this video. But I can go to an adult prison. But I can go to Rikers Island. But I can be sent to Attica. My name is Michael Corriero. I was a judge for 28 years in the criminal courts of the state of New York. New York is one of only two states in the entire nation that automatically tries children as young as 16 as adults. We need to change that. Last week, my father sent me to my room. Next week, a judge could sentence me to an adult prison. We need to judge children as children. It's time to raise the age of criminal responsibility in New York. Tell a lot about someone by what they spend their money on, their priorities, their concerns, and their motives. Big Pharma says their top priority is research and development. They say that prescription drug costs are so high because they spend so much on research. But the simple truth is nine out of the ten biggest pharma companies spend 50% more on advertising than they do on research and development. It's true. Tens of billions more. The more they spend, the clearer it becomes. Big Pharma's priorities are more ads, more sales, and higher costs to you. It's time for Big Pharma to get their priorities straight. Americans deserve open and honest prescription drug pricing. Let's solve the cost crisis now. Visit CSRXP.org. Look, right now, uh, while you're looking at this on your screen in your hand or on your computer, there's somebody just like you who's sitting in a prison cell. And they didn't do much more than you did, you know, some crazy weekend. You didn't get caught. They got caught. And they can never get uncaught. The United States of America is now the number one incarcerator of human beings in the world, in the history of the world. Uh, We have about 5% of the world's population. We have 25% of the world's prisoners. Um, We we have more people locked up than China. China, who has a billion people, they got fewer prisoners than we do. You know, a lot of times people say, well, if you don't want to do the time, don't do the crime. Really? Have, Have you ever committed a crime? 
You got people who are doing more drugs in on college campuses, in uh, uh, yacht clubs, country clubs. We all know that's going on, but the SWAT team never shows up there. The SWAT team shows up in housing projects where you got poorer people doing fewer drugs, and those people go to prison. But think about it. What if one of the times when you were breaking the law, when you had something illegal in your pocket, in your car, at your party, the police had kicked in those doors, would you want to be known for the rest of your life based on what happened that night? That is what is happening to millions of people. If rich folks' kids get in trouble, they go to rehab. Poor folks' kids get in trouble, they go to prison. And you spend $100,000 per year per kid to lock a kid up. When you could have spent a fraction of that and turned them into a NASA scientist, turned them into a, a fashion icon. When people come home from prison, they're not given the opportunity to start over. You leave a physical prison and you go into a social prison where you can't get a job, you can't get a student loan, you can't rent an, rent an apartment. How are people supposed to start over? And what happens to neighborhoods when you take a disproportionate number of people out for minor offenses and you send them back home with no hope and no opportunity? There are no more excuses to have this horrible system continue when there is now finally bipartisan agreement that it is a tragedy to do this. Not only do you have President Obama and the Democrats, you now actually have uh, people like Paul Ryan, Coke Industries, Newt Gingrich, all saying the same thing. We are locking up too many people. We're wasting too much money. We're, we're wasting too much genius in America, and it's time to do something. You can't sit here. Don't add her to the chain. It was just a joke. We're not friends. Why are you talking to me? You started it. So gross. Loser. Weirdo. I've said and done things before that I'm not proud of. Just as I've been hurt by others. The thing is, this, this is not who I am. And it's definitely not who I want to be. I don't want to be cruel. I don't want to spread gossip. I don't want to be a body shaver. I don't want to exclude anyone. I don't want to make anyone feel lonely. Left out. Hurt. We have the power to be more. We can create a kinder world. It's not that hard. We just need to stop. Take a moment and consider others before we speak. And before we act, be more. Be more. Be more. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio. Excuse me. The number is 646-200-0628. As we address the senseless killing tonight of Jalen Walker in Ohio, officers emptied their magazine clips into the body of Jalen Walker as he walked away or ran away from officers doing a traffic stop uh, 25 years of age, a senseless killing, and a life loss. Um, it's absolutely uh, troubling. It is heartbreaking that we are still here two years later after the death 
of George Floyd and the two year anniversary of his death, uh, of his killing rather, by Derek Chauvin. Um, some pretty pretty critical stuff. I think we have a couple of callers in queue. Uh, can you bring them through, please? Nina. I'm Nina, here. are you with us? Can you hear me? Yes, yes, I can. I was just listening to the show and. I hadn't even heard about this story, but this is just uncomprehensible. I mean, how can you shoot somebody 90 times with 60 to 80 wounds? That's just downright evil and cruel. You know, my heart goes out to the family. This poor gentleman was only 25 years old. Didn't even have an opportunity to experience life. I mean, this is something that absolutely needs to stop. And nothing is really being done about it. That's I, absolutely I mean, right. I, it, it just it just angers me. Um, I feel for the family. I think it's horrible. Thank you for taking my call. And thank you for your passion uh, regarding this issue. Look, that's exactly the truth. Um, it is absolutely insane. And it gets to the point where you get tired of the same statements or arguments by media, oh, it's good we're having this discussion. It's not any good because it never stops. But we need to have this discussion. For what? For what? So everybody can go back to their lives and police officers go back to killing people on the streets in this country. And we say the same scratch record. We need to have this discussion. It's good we're talking about it. You'll have Congress that'll come out and say we need to have this other going to pass the George Floyd Act uh, in the death of, in the death of George Floyd, and statistically the killings have uh, gotten more, have become more frequent after the death, after the talk, after the political uh, posturing, if you will, by politicians and say this is we're going to do something. You got them kneeling at the Capitol with African American gear on. We're going to, this is for George Floyd. There are no changes. The only change that is in, in effect, more black people continue to die. So all of this rhetoric of what we're going to do, how are we going to get better? It, it, people are fed up because they keep, it keeps getting worse. And at the end of the day, um, when you talk about politicians, they're going to pass something, but usually it's so – it just is not never comprehensive enough. It's never enough. Ever. So – but they want to – and many times they're motivated to get out and say they actually did something just by uh, promoting what they did and say, look at us. We did something. It's a shark without teeth. Yeah, exactly. So that that's how the politics works, unfortunately, and, and good legislation – uh, or effective legislation, by and large, is just a thing of the past. And you can go out and jump into the ocean where sharks are, and if all of their teeth have been removed, guess what? I can swim there all day. It's not going to matter. And that's no disrespect to the efforts of of politicians. I believe there are politicians that care. I believe... They, they chair the fact that people are dying. I'm not saying none of that, but we're, we're not getting enough done. We don't have enough teeth into any of these this legislation. And if it can't stop people 
But where the George Floyd thing was about a, a corrupt officer. Then why? Where is the where are the keys? For citizens on the street, we had three strikes in your outlaw years ago, but we had nothing against officers that were continually breaking the law, assaulting citizens. There was no three strikes in out then. Well, yes, but, also keep something in mind. Uh, even back, I believe it was the 80s, they passed a prosecutorial misconduct legislation, okay, that was put up for, uh, put into a bill. By the time the bill got uh, passed, all of the teeth were gone. So th- this is not something new. Uh, they end up negotiating the things out, but they say, well, we got to support police. So this, th- these mantras that politicians use, well, we need to support the police. So they use these things as punchlines to uh, political campaigns and things of that nature. Uh uh, tough on crime. Well, tough on crime doesn't give you anything specific. It just says throw everybody in jail that commits a crime, and that's the basic philosophy of a lot of this stuff. So, a tough on crime, and also, uh, this I believe that some of these killings are almost tough on crime type of uh, mantra, where uh, uh, you might as well go ahead and kill them because they're gonna they're gonna commit a crime, but they they're so moved by these political political rhetoric about like tough on crime or tough on guns and all these sorts of things but they never really sit down and hammer out effective legislation uh part of that due to the opposition on both sides uh depending on the on the particular issue one side will oppose the other side won't and and, and that'll happen in reverse so uh that's uh, mainly why a lot of these problems tend to or continue to persist. Oh, it's a tragedy, and I'll tell you what. Let, let's go to another caller, Ethel. Bring her on. Ethel, are you with us? Ethel, are you with us? Can you hear me? We can now. Okay, thank you. Um, yes, I just wanted to to say, um, you know, it, this is this is such a horrible situation, and it's it's like every single time you you have all these shootings with these white men going in, they shoot up all these all all of these people. Even cops get shot sometimes in the process, but they always get taken in alive. Every, almost every single time, and in situations where they don't get taken in alive, they usually uh, commit suicide. So, so I, I, I can't understand why is it the black man that's the one that's always getting shot down, and with the with the man that that, that the young man who was shot sixty however many times that is so ridiculous. Has anybody not considered when they said that he turned that the the bullets hitting him is what made his body turn? Is that not a possibility? Thank you for well, taking I mean, my call. Oh, thank you so much for your call. Look. That many bullets going into a body, if there were shots in the front of his body, the bullets penetrated his body all the way through. That's what that means. And, yeah, if somebody is getting shot at that rate of speed, of course his body can shift. But for sure. But at the end of the day, if he was facing officers unarmed, Let's just say hypothetically he was facing officers unarmed, which we know that's not the case. You're still not justified. 
to fire 60 to 100 shots into this man's body. He didn't have a gun on him when no. he was shot, did he? No. No. The, the gun was actually, they said, in they the car. It was in the car. But the fact is, like, how weak and irresponsible do you have to be? You have eight grown men, eight grown officers, and a 25 year old kid. He's running away from you, and you're that scared. You're that cowardly that you want, you have to unload an entire magazine. All of you, not just one person, the entire group of them have to in- unload an entire magazine at this kid, at this college-age kid, to say, oh, now I feel safe. Man, the fact is, I mean, we're talking about this legislation and everything like that, but the fact of the matter is, until something makes makes these police officers from the top all the way down take actual responsibility – Guarantee you start laying off police officers, start taking away that pension, that retirement, that, that guaranteed you know, government paycheck that they love so much. Start taking that away. Start hitting them where it really hurts. Well, let's go a step further. Lock them up. Oh, absolutely. Because, like you said, there was a three strikes and you're out kind of like, hey, if you're involved in any way, shape, form, or fashion in three don't even make, don't even make it a shooting. Make it an escalated thing where you should have you should have made a better choice in the force that was used. Three strikes. There goes your badge. There goes your pension. There goes your retirement. And oh, by the way, here's at least three to five, maybe five to seven, seven and to ten. To me, officers are held to a higher standard. They don't get three strikes. There it is. You don't get three times to kill people. Well, and, you're not going to get that. And the problem is, if an average Joe six pack. Just kind of said he perceived he was being he was being threatened by officer or or by anybody. So you just get so so said I I I felt threatened. Well, they're gonna drag him in the court and say, why did you feel threatened? You're gonna ask. And, and they're gonna say yeah. you, you you still committed manslaughter or, or murder, a second degree murder, uh, because really there was no threat. Absolutely. But when it comes to officers, yep. they don't hold. And there's plenty of people that that have shot people or killed people. And said, so I, I feared for my life. Well, there's not enough evidence here to say you should have feared for your life. So we're going to prosecute you uh, and put you in prison. No, absolutely right. Let me go to a caller, William. I'm going to come back to you in a moment. Uh, I believe, let's go to Shantiria. Shantiria, you Hi, with us? can you hear me? Yes. Yes, I'm here. You have a question or comment? I have a comment with this story because I didn't hear about this either. And to just know the fact that this was a 25-year-old, they say man, but I'm only 26, so I'm only one year older than this guy, than this than this kid. I would consider that a kid. And to just know that these any anyone, any black person that's this young, to just be killed outright in the street doing their thing, you know, like you said, to the point, I, you know, he could have been checking his phone, he could have maybe dropped something, something was happening in that car, to know that the price that I pay to accidentally run a life is, okay, I'm going to get shot 80 to 90 times on the street, and I'm trying to run away, to think that that yeah. is my expectation, that's what I should fear. That's what I should believe in with the police officers. I don't think you should let me off with that. I don't think that that's justified. I can't respect you as a police officer. But the only thing I can feel is fear. I'm going to run away from my life because I know what happens. And we've seen it time and time again. And just to see it happen this time, it's so unwarranted and it's so cruel and it's so biased and basis and racist and it's just it doesn't have to happen 
And you would think that after having so many police officers on the scene, not a single one could apprehend him, not a single one could just pin him to the ground, de-escalate this issue. That's impossible. That is impossible that you as a trained person could not do that. Well, they didn't. at the end of the day, that was not their option. That was not in their multiple choices to make. But the only thing they could do is we need to kill this young black man, period. Um, and we're talking about a traffic stop. Let's not forget that. The traffic stop. And we talked about thank you, Shinteria, thank you for your call. We appreciate your passion with that as well. Thank you so much. And we talked about this before, about how we treat our enemies. And, and we, we, we talked about the Geneva Convention on an uh, earlier show on how our enemy has more rights than these black men. I mean, you're talking about the atrocities that are happening in uh, Ukraine with Russia. So we're saying, oh, they're just shooting them while they're running. They're doing this. They're, oh, there's an outrage. But this is even this is this should be the greater outrage. I mean, you got one man and you got how many officers shooting at one man with his back to them. It's a shame. It's, it's, you, you, if, if we kill somebody during war and there and, and this this enemy appeared to have no weapon and was running away, somebody's going to somebody's going to answer for it. Without question, but police don't have to answer. Answering, uh, William. Yes, comment. No, I'm just I'm sitting here thinking because I know there's some out that are out there saying, well, well, why didn't he just stop the car, and why didn't he just comply? Because you have those people out there that tried to they tried to place the blame all they will try to place all the blame on Jalen Walker. Well, he stopped the car and got out. Well, this is this is what this is what I'm sitting here thinking. Philando Castillo. Stopped his car, his fiance and his daughter there. He told the police officer, I am a legal owner of a firearm. I have a firearm I'm in the car. He died four shots at about four feet away. Walter Scott was pulled over for a routine traffic stop. There was a, I believe there was a warrant for him, and a, 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 but he took off on foot. He was shot in the back and killed. And they tried to cover that a little bit if it hadn't been for cameras um, catching them dropping a, a a device near to try to justify the shooting. Alton Sterling, Eric Gardner. Eric Gardner's there unarmed in New York City. And you so you sit here and you say, there are those that are going to say, well, why don't they just comply? Why do they stop running? It doesn't matter. The outcome is still the same. Eric Gardner died with a chokehold by four officers in New York City, unarmed. Absolutely. Let's play that clip of Mr. Garner. Uh, Williams, since you bring that up, we are going to look for the clip of Philando Castro. Castillo. Uh, Castillo, excuse me. Uh, let's uh, let's find the clip on uh, Eric Garner. Let our listeners hear that. Damn. 
That was how 43-year-old New Yorker Eric Garner died on July 17th after police put him in what looks like a token. Police say Garner was on the sidewalk illegally selling cigarettes. Witnesses say he was actually trying to break up a fight. But thousands more have said that's just not the point. The hashtags Eric Garner, Justice for Eric Garner, and R.I.P. Eric Garner have been used to express disgust and anger with folks accusing police of killing yet another unarmed African-American man. Steve Marmel tweeted, just make this trend. Hashtag Justice for Eric Garner. And from Linda Sabzur, there are six children in Staten Island sleeping tonight without their dad. Eric Garner's family deserves justice. Garner's widow and other family members went to rallies in Harlem and Staten Island on July 19th. People everywhere have condemned not just Garner's death, but the root problem of police brutality targeting communities of color. Kim Moore said what the NYPD did to Eric Garner illustrates why black men live in fear daily. And DJ Rob Swift admitted, when I see a cop walking towards me on the sidewalk, I cross over to the other side of the street. Others demanded accountability. The most horrific thing I've seen in a very long time, Eric Garner, RIP. I hope every cop who participated gets life in prison. So far, the cop who put Eric Garner in the alleged chokehold, a move that's illegal, was stripped of his gun and badge, but is still at work on death duty. An investigation is underway. There's actually a long list of controversial killings that have led to little, if any, jail time. The NYPD officer who shot and killed unarmed Ramarley Graham in his own apartment in 2012 was originally charged with manslaughter, but the case was later dropped. The transit officer who killed unarmed Oscar Grant at a train station in Oakland, California, ended up serving just a little more than a year of jail time for involuntary manslaughter. And the police who fired 50 bullets at Sean Bell and two other unarmed men in Queens back in 2006 all got off scot-free. On Instagram, I am Queen 31 wrote, rest in peace, Eric Garner, Sean Bell, Trayvon Martin. That's just to name a few. The list goes on. The police confrontation with Eric Garner was caught on video. But what about all the others that aren't? Are you fed up with police brutality? Join the hashtag Eric Garner itself and let us know what you think by tweeting us at AJ Park. There you have it. Death of Eric Garner. Right now, we're going to do a little bit of review back of all of these stories. Everybody had a conversation. Everybody went on media talk shows. Everybody went on CNN and ABC and CBS and NBC talking about the violence. How then are we still here? With absolutely no change for the better. Two years later, not only from the death of George Floyd, but the death of the names named in that clip. Let's go to Michelle. She has a comment. About what you mentioned, you... Um, I really like the idea. Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead, please. Okay, sorry. Um I like the idea that you brought up about this whole three strikes, and I know you were using that in general terms because uh, that's what they give people when they go to prison. But um, I think there's a lot of solutions out there to stop the violence uh, of with these cops. Uh, to me, that man was murdered. You're not going to shoot that many times, and it's not murder. And it made me think of Rodney King. That was over 30 years ago, and how even when cops are 
prosecuted, most of the time they get off. And how anybody could have watched that man be brutalized in the street like that and got a, the four cops got acquitted, and it's still happening 30 years later. And I'm just – I am sickened. And until we as a society start gathering together to demand justice, people are still going to be dying. And they don't care. And it's mostly black men. And, and it's I'm just so sickened by it that to this day it's still happening, and there's been no real effort. You see little things here and there, but even when they get prosecuted, um, a lot of times they don't. There's no justice. There is no justice. I have no confidence at all in the judicial system. But I really liked your idea, and I think they need to start listening to ideas of how to protect the police. They have every right to be protected. But they do not have a right to keep murdering innocent citizens, or even if they're guilty. I don't even care if they're guilty. They're, the cops are not the judge and jury and executioner, and that is what is currently happening. So thank you for your time. I'm enjoying the show. Upsetting, but I'm enjoying it. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Um, here's the issue. They're not about to adopt what we're talking about. That's not the society in which we live in. If that many killings have taken place, and we're going to play more and more here, uh, I believe we got a clip on Philando. Is that correct? Let's go ahead and play that clip, uh, and we'll come back and discuss it, and to Michelle's points as well. It took just seconds for a routine traffic stop to turn deadly, and today graphic video of the encounter was made public just a few days after a Minnesota police officer was found not guilty of manslaughter. Rea Villarreal reports. The newly released dash cam video shows the moment when Officer Geronimo Yanez stopped Fernando Castile for a broken taillight last July, first asking Castile for his license and registration. I have to tell you, I do have a okay. firearm on okay. me. Don't reach for it, then. Don't pull it out. Don't pull it out. Within 90 seconds of making the stop, the 29-year-old officer fired seven shots. Castile's girlfriend, Diamond Reynolds, was in the passenger seat. She streamed the immediate aftermath on Facebook Live. He had you saw him get his ID, sir, his driver's license. Oh my God! Please don't tell me he's dead. Please don't tell me my boyfriend just went like that. Keep your hands where they are. Yes, I will, sir. I'll keep my hands where they are. As Officer Yanez continued to point his weapon at Castile, you can see an officer coax and pick up Reynolds' then four-year-old daughter, who was in the back seat during the shooting. Get the baby out of here! Yanez was quickly suspended from the St. Anthony, Minnesota Police Department and soon indicted for manslaughter. During the trial, Yanez said he feared for his life and thought Castile, a 32-year-old school cafeteria worker, was pulling out a gun he was licensed to carry. Friday, the jury acquitted Yanez of all charges. Valerie Castile is Philando's mother. My firstborn one son died here in Minnesota. Under the circumstances, just because he was a police officer, that makes it okay. Oh, now they got free reign. He's found innocent on all counts. Castile family members were reportedly stunned when they saw the video during the trial. And Anthony, according to their attorney, they are planning to file a lawsuit against the city as well as with the police department here. Maria, thanks. Uh, 
Well, there you have it. If you listen carefully to that clip, Philandro is explaining to the officer. Now, if you see the whole video, he says, I have a gun, but I have a permit for it. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, his light, his wallet of some sort was in the glove uh, the glove compartment. Is that correct? Right, and he was told, like you heard her say, you told you told him to get his ID. He That's was right. reaching for his ID. We're going to play a clip. We're going to go to a break. Following this clip, we're going to discuss it on the other side of the break. Nick has something that she has found as well. We're going to hear from her. And anybody else that's in queue, hang tight. We're coming to you. Let's play the clip. It took just seconds for a routine traffic stop to turn deadly. And today, graphic video of the encounter was made public just a few days after a Minnesota police officer was found not guilty of manslaughter. Rea Villarreal reports. The newly released dash cam video shows the moment when Officer Geronimo Yanez stopped Philando Castile for a broken taillight last July. First, asking Castile for his license and registration. I have to tell you, I do have a okay. firearm okay. on me. Don't reach for it, son. Don't pull it out. Don't pull it out. Within 90 seconds of making the stop, the 29-year-old officer fired seven shots. Castile's girlfriend, Diamond Reynolds, was in the passenger seat. She streamed the immediate aftermath on Facebook Live. He had you saw him get his ID, sir, and his driver's license. Oh my God! Please don't tell me he's dead. Please don't tell me my boyfriend just went like that. Keep your hands where they are, yes, I will, sir. I'll keep my hands where they are. As Officer Yanez continued to point his weapon at Castile, you can see an officer coax and pick up Reynolds' then four-year-old daughter, who was in the back seat during the shooting. Yanez was quickly suspended from the St. Anthony, Minnesota Police Department and soon indicted for manslaughter. During the trial, Yanez said he feared for his life and thought Castile, a 32-year-old school cafeteria worker, was pulling out a gun he was licensed to carry. Friday, the jury acquitted Yanez of all charges. Valerie Castile is Philando's mother. My firstborn one son died here in Minnesota. Under the circumstances, just because he was a police officer, that makes it okay. Oh, now they got free reign. He's found innocent on all counts. Castile family members were reportedly stunned when they saw the video during the trial. And Anthony, according to their attorney, they are planning to file a lawsuit against the city as well as with the police department here. Maria, thanks. For a kid whose mom or dad is in prison, life is tough. Now add a wrongful conviction to that, life just got a little bit tougher. Trying to explain to friends why mom or dad is not at the school play or at the ball game is something that no kid should ever be faced with. Especially if mom or dad is innocent. Ladies and gentlemen, get involved today to stop the epidemic of wrongful convictions. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause today. one 855 529 4252. We seek justice for the children 
as they go to bed at night and mom's not there, dad's not in the other room to make them feel safe. Not because dad or mom did anything wrong, because justice could not be found. Join us for the children, for they truly are our future. Say goodbye to affordability and say hello to losing control. Discover Price Gougesol, the latest outrageously expensive drug from Big Pharma. It's impossible to afford and reverses the ability to pay other bills. Because drug companies raise prices to pay for commercials like this one, side effects may include overdrawn bank accounts, bad credit scores, higher health care costs, children who don't get Christmas presents, and in some cases, the need to stop taking your medicine. If you experience any of these side effects, contact your financial advisor right away. Out-of-control drug costs are no joke. Yet nine of the ten biggest pharma companies spend more on advertising than research and development. Let's solve the cost crisis now. Visit csrxp.org. Mass incarceration means that we've got a very high rate of incarceration historically, comparatively. And the other thing is the rate of incarceration is so high, so socially concentrated, we're no longer incarcerating the individual, but we're incarcerating whole social groups. The rate of incarceration now is about five times higher than it was historically. Historically, it was 100 per 100,000. Now it's about 500 per 100,000 if we look at prison. If we add jail to that, it's about 700 per 100,000. Nowhere in the world incarcerates as much as we do. We've seen extremely high rates of exposure to the criminal justice system for African-American men with very low levels of schooling. So if we think about black men who were born in the late 1970s and who were growing up through the American prison boom of the 1980s and the 1990s, the chances that they're going to serve time in state or federal prison if they dropped out of high school is about 70%. So going to prison for that group of black men with very low levels of schooling, that's become a normal life event. That's really only happened in the last 10 years. We're at this point now where there's about 1.2 million African-American children with a parent who's incarcerated. That's about one in nine. The research shows the kids who experience parental incarceration have diminished school achievement, they have behavioural problems, depressive symptoms, acting out. And there's also evidence that these kinds of negative effects associated with parental incarceration are concentrated more among boys than among girls. And there's a very real risk here that incarceration becomes an inherited trait. The underlying issue is we've chosen prison as a way to respond to that problem of crime. And there are a whole variety of ways that we could have chosen to respond to that problem of crime. We've chosen the response of the deprivation of liberty. And we've chosen the response of the deprivation of liberty for a historically aggrieved group whose liberty in the United States was never firmly established to begin with. We have a big problem and we need your help. It's happening on college campuses, at bars, at parties, even in high schools. 
It's happening to our sisters and our daughters. Our wives and our friends. It's called sexual assault, and it has to stop. We have to stop it. So listen up. If she doesn't consent, or if she can't consent, it's rape, it's assault. It's a crime. It's wrong. If I saw it happening, I was taught you have to do something about it. If I saw it happening, I speak up. If I saw it happening, I'd never blame her. I'd help her. Because I don't want to be a part of the problem. I want to be a part of the solution. We need all of you to be part of the solution. This is about respect. It's about responsibility. It's up to all of us to put an end to sexual assault. And that starts with you. Because one is too many. Ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight, as we have started this show with the killing of Jalen Walker, the gentleman shot down in Akron, Ohio, 60 to 100 shots in the back uh, of this young black man, 25 years old, by eight officers that emptied their clip in in a sense to take this man's life. A man that was going the opposite direction of officers. We visit this tonight due to the anniversary that just passed of the two-year anniversary of the senseless killing of George Floyd. Now we look back at different situations, different people, different actions by officers that continue to take the lives of African-American men in this country and women as well. Uh, Right now, we're going to go to June. I believe she has a comment for us. Yes, I have a comment. Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead, please. Yes, I was just listening to the show, and when I first heard that uh, Jalen was shot that many times, the the first thought came to mind that they used that man as target practice. That was before I knew that uh, the police were using black people for targets. Um, and... There are other states that do that. I don't. I could only find two when I was searching. Two states, Michigan and Florida. But I found Florida was doing that as far back as 2015. And I wonder when they use those targets, use black people, what type of verbiage are they telling their people when they're uh, shooting like that? Are they telling them? things, uh, negative things about black people. I just wonder if there's a correlation between using the black targets and shooting someone that many times when it was unnecessary. Um, and yes. then maybe they need to find out how many states are using this. And then Jalen was shot that many times that the man that shot at the parade and, and killed six people and wounded 30. He was arrested peacefully. Uh, thanks for taking my call. And thank you very much for your for your comment. I agree with that, that uh, it needs to be looked into. If one police department institution is doing it, how many other people are doing it? How many other uh, uh, police departments are taking the time uh, 
to, I mean, this is training. So what efforts are taken to put up pictures? And, and to June's point, and I would counter that a little bit, it, it ceased to be practice at this point. This was now a murder attempt. The killing. Target practice happened back at the police station with the pictures of African-Americans, possibly, if Michigan is doing it. Who knows what else is going on in police departments all over this country? I don't have facts to support that. But the actions of these officers would make it very clear to me uh, that these men are trained to kill black people. I don't know how you get around that. Because you never hear of Caucasians dying in this fashion. I don't, I don't know when white suspects were – I don't ever remember hearing somebody emptying the clip. And the other guy, David, we talked about 50 shots. Uh, he took 50 – they shot at this particular gentleman 50 times. Was he, was he African-American? Come on, Sean Bell. Sean Bell. Yes. Yes, he was. He was African-American. We don't hear it among, we don't hear it among white people. And if it's a general consensus that this is just what officers are doing, why don't we have any white people? And I'd be just as outraged if a white man was killed and massacred the way this man was. Nick, you had a story that you wanted to share? Um, I was reading about uh, the state of Louisiana. They said for over a decade that leaders from that state, the public, have been asking the Department of Justice to look into the Louisiana State Police because of the way that they treat black men that are arrested. They come in with their face beat up, their head kicked in, and there was a case in 2019 of an individual named Ronald Green. They said he was 49 years old and that he was involved in a high-speed chase with the state patrol. And he said that when, during his arrest, he was stunned, he was punched, he was placed in a chokehold, and then he was dragged face down while handcuffed and shackled. And then he was left face down for at least nine minutes. And uh, this was six officers that basically beat him to death. And then when his body was taken to the hospital, the coroner, uh, they told the police said, well, he died in a car accident because his car ran into a tree. And the, the uh, what is it called? The, the coroner said, well, how that doesn't add up because he had two um, probes lodged in his in his backside. So and the injuries of beating don't match a car accident. So they're saying that for years, um, like I said, over a decade, that the police chief and other individuals have been hiding police footage. They have they tell their police officers to turn off the camera footage. Um, and even in this case, they have been fighting for two and a half years. And the 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 uh, footage was just released in 2022, showing what the police did. And to this date, nobody has been arrested in his death. Well, what this says to me, when I tell you, we are no different than we were as African Americans to be beaten by the masses of plantations and beat to death and stripped. We're no better than that time. When you can drag a black man face down on the concrete, take him into a hospital, and say he died in a car accident 
when you killed and brutally murdered this man. This country is as sick yes. and demented as it can get. I am blown away. But we want to say, oh, trust law enforcement? It's not going to happen. The culture of this country with police departments, you have racism probably at every single one of them. It doesn't mean all the cops are that way, but the culture, how do you do that? How do you pull Freddie Gray out of a van, a police van, after throwing his body when he should have been strapped in? You purposely don't strap this man in. And they take him on a trail and a path that will throw his body without any protection of his life. He gets out of the van. He is paralyzed. I saw the footage. I saw him handcuffed, being dragged into his headquarters. And guess what? His legs were dragging the ground. His legs were dragging the ground. Well, and you want to talk about justice for the African American? Take away the court system. There's no justice from the time he is handcuffed because he may very well die. Sergeant Brown, who was killed in custody, he was going to do a two-day stint at county jail they killed him in custody. And he was he was messed up on medication. He was not he was not violent. He asked the officers, "Can you please give me some water, a Dixie cup of water?" They refused him. He went into cardiac arrest. He was there supposed to be there for two days. Well, He's my- dead. Well, Eric Garner is dead. Walter Scott is dead. Sandra Bland is dead. We can go on and on and on. Devon Bailey right here in Colorado shot by officers but shot this man running away. It is a culture of this system. Well, and that culture is one of lack of accountability. I'll go back for a minute to Eric Garner. Officer's last name was Pantaleo. Garner was choked to death by Officer Pantaleo in 2014. By 2018, the CCRB, which is the Civilian Civilian Complaint Review Board, uh, decided to bring charges for reckless use of force and intentional intentionally restricting Aaron Garner's breathing. Well, the reckless use of force was a was a third degree misdemeanor. Uh, the the intentionally restricting Arner's breathing was a first-degree felony. The problem with it, the CCRB only sought for him to get terminated. Not charged. No, terminated. They only sought for his termination. So it seems like uh, politics is going on in the back room to keep an officer on the force after he's killed somebody. Now, finally, in August 2019, this is five years after uh, Pantaleo had choked out uh, Garner, um, 
he was found guilty of misconduct for recklessly applying a chokehold and was finally fired uh, and was not able to collect his full pension. Uh, come to find out in 2020, um, the state repealed a law that shielded police disciplinary records from being viewed by the public. Pantaleo's records found their way to the press. The New York Civil Liberties Union found 17 cases of misconduct were filed against Pantaleo, with his worst consequence was, face, was uh, facing two years of, of uh, vacation uh, being revoked. So, so, th- so th- there's the culture of we're not going to hold any officer accountable, no matter what they do, unless there, there's severe and public outrage and media scrutiny like happened in George Floyd where officer under those types of just unprecedented public outcry do they actually prosecute an officer. So what it's showing is the new NYPD allowed Pantaleo to get away with 17 counts of misconduct. If he had been discharged a long time ago for this continuous misconduct, right. Eric Garner would probably be living today. Right. But they, they allowed him to stay on the force until the, his conduct resulted in Eric Garner's death. Yeah. So that culture and police to protect police at any cost is one of the main things that's, that's a costing line. Absolutely. Let's go to Liz. I believe she has a comment. Liz, yes. are you with us? Uh, thank you for having me. This is so tragic. Just, I mean, every black boy woman no wonder we just got to look around you just don't know what's going to happen the people who are supposed to protect us not all of them are bad but too many of them are doing this stuff and my heart goes out to that mom the aunt said he was never in trouble he didn't have a criminal record his mother it was so hard for her to watch the footage my heart goes out to them and, and why is it that every time they do something like this they get paid uh, administrative leave. I don't get that. That's like encouraging people like, hey, you're going to get a check anyway. It is just horrible. I'm so glad to agree with you. are right. So many times we talk about it and that seems to happen. But thank you for having me and my prayers are with that family. Appreciate your call, Liz. Uh, and it's true. Um, none of this makes sense. Let's go to LaTanya. LaTanya, are you with us? I am. Go ahead, um, please. This is just horrible. Um, As you listen to this, it's like when you hear that two years later, everything has gotten worse. I mean, Chauvin got 21 years for killing George Floyd, but it's not doing anything to deter them because they know it's almost like they say, okay, well, we'll have a token police officer and, you know, to say, oh, we did something. That's not good enough. And like the other caller said, they get administrative pay. And then it's, this is insane to me. I mean, and they wonder why they say, okay, they should have stopped. Why? Because you know, you don't want to stop because you're thinking, oh, okay, I'm going to die. And you're telling me that you don't get, you know, it's like, and I'll say, oh, you know, when we say black lives matter, it's like, oh, white lives matter. All lives matter, but it seems like ours don't. And so it's like until people stop and say, okay, let's, let's, Let's not just make a big deal about it now. Let's keep fighting because if you don't keep fighting, it's never going to change. And more and more, more and more uh, mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers going to be bearing loved ones unnecessarily. And if and I'm, I'm sorry, if they're that scared of a black person, they don't need to be on the force. 
Absolutely right. Appreciate your comment and your call, uh, Latanya. Ladies and gentlemen, just at a loss. When you think you've heard it all, here we go. Again, let's play another clip. Another victim of police brutality and killing. Um, Dante Wright, his situation. Let's play the clip. Prosecutors could announce their decision about whether or not to charge the former Minnesota officer who shot and killed Dante Wright as early as today. The 20-year-old black man's death has sparked widespread anger and protest, especially in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, where protesters clashed with police for a third night in a row. Dozens of people have been arrested so far. Omar Villafranca is following the latest. And I never imagined this is what was going to happen. I just thought maybe he was being arrested. Kate Wright, Dante's mother, said she was on the phone with the woman who was in the car with her son moments after the shooting. And it was on a FaceTime and she said, she was crying and screaming, and she said that they shot him. And she pointed the phone towards the driver's seat, and my son was laying there unresponsive. My that was the last time that I'd seen my son. Police say Dante Wright had been pulled over for an expired vehicle tag. They say officers tried to arrest him when they learned of an outstanding warrant and that he resisted. Police say Officer Kim Potter, who had been training a new officer, thought she reached for her taser. But she fired a gun instead. Officer Potter was a 26-year veteran of the police force. Along with Police Chief Tim Gannon, Potter offered her resignation Tuesday, saying in a letter she believes it is in the best interest of the community, the department, and my fellow officers if I resign immediately. Brooklyn Center Mayor Mike Elliott. You know, I'm, I'm hoping that this will help uh, bring some calm to uh, to the community. Although. Uh, you know, I think ultimately people want justice. Why was she allowed to resign, and why didn't you fire her instead? We were going through our own uh, processes to make sure that we had all of the documentation in order uh, in order to be able to do that. Dante Wright, life matters! In a show of solidarity, Wright's family met Tuesday with the family of George Floyd, just outside the courthouse where the murder trial of former officer Derek Chauvin is being held. We're here! And we will fight for justice for this family, just like we're fighting for our brother. At that press conference, I asked city officials, since Potter resigned and was not fired, would she be keeping her pension and would she be able to apply for another job in law enforcement? The mayor and the acting police chief could not answer that question. It's also worth noting that the mayor asked the state attorney general to take over the case, but the state AG says he feels confident that the Washington County DA can handle it. Vlad and Marie. Omar, thank you. So Skylar Henry is here with us now to just explain the latest on the case. Uh, Skylar, thanks for joining us. You were in Brooklyn Center last night. What did you see? What was it like? Yeah. Well, hey there. Uh, good morning to you, Anne Marie. Well, we were there right before the sun went down. There were hundreds, if not thousands, of people out there uh, protesting, calling for justice for Dante Wright, right in front of the uh, police department headquarters in Brooklyn Center. And they actually held a small march from the police department headquarters right around to the FBI headquarters, uh, the Minneapolis uh, field office there, which is maybe a block or two away 
Uh, but they were calling for justice, as I mentioned, for Dante Wright. Some of the speakers saying that what happened to um, Mr. Wright shouldn't have happened, given the officer's uh, time and experience within the police department some 26 years. Uh, and that actually went on for hours. And after that point, we'd left, but according to some of the video that we've seen, uh, things obviously escalated a bit in the third night of protests. Some of the officials said that they had to make dozens of arrests last night because bottles, bricks, and even some officers were sprayed with mace by some of the demonstrators. And so that is just a series of events that we've been seeing over the last few days in terms of in the Brooklyn Center area. Now, just to give you a little proximity as to where that is and where we are right now, that's about 15, 20 minutes away from here. We're here in front of the Hennepin County Courthouse where the uh, trial for Derek Chauvin is expected to resume in the next few hours or so. But again, that just goes to show that close proximity here. They're worried about uh, if that will impact some of the juries or jurors in this case. And so you have these two similar incidents happening at the same time. It's why you saw in Omar's piece uh, that the family of George Floyd came out to stand with the family of Dante Wright and calling out what they feel as though is over-policing. Skyler, as you know, uh, Wright's family met yesterday with the family of George Floyd for a joint press conference. Uh, what was the main message, the main theme that they shared with reporters? Yeah, Vlad, you know, it, it, it was one where they wanted to speak to who Dante was. I think one of the more uh, gripping moments of that press conference was when we heard from his grandmother, who said that he may not be everyone's angel, but he is that family's angel. Uh, just describing who he was, uh, we also heard from attorney Ben Crump. We also heard from members of George Floyd's family as well. And as I mentioned, calling for something to be done perhaps even on a federal level in terms of police reform so that nothing like this happens again. Uh, also, we heard from uh, Dante Wright's mother, uh, who also spoke about her last moments uh, speaking to her son and also seeing her son uh, before uh, he was shot. Uh, and so it was compelling just because they put you right there in the moment, uh, you know, and it was a different perspective than we may have seen before. And so I think that is what that family was looking to do. And, and it was certainly, uh, interestingly enough, uh, interesting enough that the Floyd family came out as well to show their support. The former Brooklyn Center police chief claims that the officer involved, Kim Potter, mistook her gun for a taser yeah. during the fatal uh, encounter. When I heard that, I thought, you know, how did something like that happen? I, you would think that these two weapons would be in different locations or there would be a, a very obvious difference between them. So how does something like that happen? Is this a common or uncommon occurrence? What do you know? Well, that's one of the big questions that a lot of the critics have, especially given uh, where the uh, the uh, uses of force are located. Uh, when you take, uh, for example, that a handgun is traditionally under uh, on the right side of the utility belt and a taser or something like that on the left side, and then obviously there are visual differences, and that is why you have so many critics saying that this officer has been with the police department for more than 20 years. She should know better. Uh, also, what you heard in Omar's piece is that this officer was doing field training. So uh, there are a lot of questions as to why uh, this happened the way it did. But it's 
also goes to point out that this is an officer who has been part of that community for a very long time, more than two decades. Uh, she was the president of the Brooklyn Center Police Officers Association uh, and also helped uh, that department in terms of investigations that it pertains to fatal police-involved shootings. And so there is, she is heavily credentialed to help deal with situations like this. And so I think what you're going to see from a lot of critics and perhaps even uh, the district attorney there is to say, well, why did this happen? This couldn't have been a mistake given how long you have been a police officer and now something must be done about it, whether that be charges, that remains to be seen. All right, Skylar Henry for us in Minneapolis. Skylar, thank you, my friend, appreciate it. Well, there you have it. Dante Wright, another victim of a broken system. I will be candid with you. I do not believe, based upon the culture of this system, that we will see change. That may be discouraging to some, but there's no sense in getting on a panel and saying, and from every major media network, it's the same language. It's good we're having this discussion. It's good we're having this dialogue as people in body bags continue to die and to be filled. They just continue. The league stated that the rise of black people being killed is on the increase since the death, the two-year anniversary of the death of George Floyd. You would have thought at that time that surely an officer killing a black man with his knee on his neck, taking off, taking away his air supply in front of the world. People were outraged protest as this country and this world had never seen. But two years later, we're doing worse now with police conduct than we were then. And people continue to die. I'm not optimistic. I'm realistic that this tragedy and the senseless killing of African Americans, men and women, continue to rise out of control. It is a sad day in this country. Coming back with our closing segment, for tonight, what do we do? How do we get officers, police departments, Congress, President of the United States to somehow implement change? How do we do it? If you have an idea, I'm, I'm all ears. But statistically speaking, 
I see no way out. Because nothing but the increased killing of African-American men and women are on the increase. All we can go with is the fa- are the facts. The facts are there is no change but one, an increase in dying and the killing of African-American men and women. We do our closing shots here on the other side of this break. This is AJC Radio. Seeking for answers in a society that has fallen off the track. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. The racial composition of the prison population in the United States is very different from the population at large. If people are worried about inequality in America today, I think this deserves more attention in the discussion. Racial inequality in the criminal justice system gets ignored because it doesn't affect most people. In 2010, over 1.6 million people were in state and federal prisons within the United States. So 497 out of every 100,000 Americans were in jail, about half of 1%. Less than 1%. That doesn't seem very large, but when you separate that population by race, you recognize that the personal effects of the criminal justice system are very unequally shared throughout our society. Whites make up 64% of the total population, but only 31% of the incarcerated population. Blacks represent 14% of society, but 36% of the prison population. Hispanics are 16% of America, but 24% of the American prison population. Less than one in 100 Americans are currently in jail, but for some races, genders, and age groups, that ratio is a lot larger. For example, if you're young, black, and male, it's closer to about one in four. That means you'd have a higher probability of going to jail than of getting married or going to college. These results are unequal and problematic as poor black communities lack so many of their members. But what can be done? The causes of this trend are undoubtedly complicated and multi-causal. But there is reason to suggest that part of the blame is our criminal justice system itself in the ways police officers enforce laws, in the ways that laws are written and prosecuted, and more. In many cases, it is not overt racism by individual actors. Many police officers, prosecutors, and judges are undoubtedly trying to be fair and trying to do the right thing. But economics can explain how unequal enforcement of the criminal law happens anyway. This is because the political and bureaucratic structure of the criminal justice system creates perverse incentives. The formal laws surrounding drug prohibition, for example, are written as if to be colorblind, but people with different levels of wealth face different costs and benefits to participating in the drug trade. Different groups consume different drugs at different rates, and lastly, those groups are politically represented in very different quantities. Thus, they are arrested and incarcerated at very different rates. How could minority groups hope to use the political process to fix inequality when they are systematically over-incarcerated and disenfranchised. Despite noble intentions, politics often does not affect the basic incentives of costs and benefits faced by political or citizen actors. We might need a new approach to social change if we are going to address these problems. We definitely need more study into the causes of inequality, and we should admit that radical changes might be both necessary and preferable to the status quo. 
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight. I can tell you the results of this show. We find ourselves as a society, as a nation, at a crossroad of decision. Do we continue to allow officers, as we think of Jalen Walker tonight, and our thoughts and prayers go out to that family, and to all the victims and the families that have suffered loss at the hands of police officers. I can tell you tonight that we are deeply troubled. There comes a time when you wish a forecast of behavior would change. That is not the case in this situation. When you think you've heard, we thought we heard really, or people believe to, to think that the end of, or some type of structure change with police officers would change as a result in the death of George Floyd. That didn't happen. A lot of disappointed hearts, minds, thinking, will this ever change? This has to stop, is the cry of those that are blown away or are victims of this system. I wish I had some solutions to offer. I don't know what solutions to offer. Because it continues to happen day after day after day. To the point you become numb to the, oh my God, reaction or the, are you kidding me, reaction. It's not a script. It's a reality of life. African Americans are at high risk in this country. To die at the hands of police officers, to go to prison, one out of every three African-Americans will be locked up in the system in this country. Any solutions, David, you can think of that can institute change? I don't know. I don't think uh, anything short of really holding police accountable will kind of start to curb their behavior. That. That's likely uh, not to happen. They're always going to get the benefit of the doubt because of their uh, because of their job. And right now, even when some calls the the stupid call for defunding the entire police, which is really stupid, but even police right now because they don't feel like they're getting a, a certain amount of respect, some of them are resigning anyway. They just want to leave me alone. Don't criticize me. I want to be able to go out here and do what I want to do and not be held accountable. So some of these people are actually. Uh, uh, leaving the force as a result of that. So you really have a, a, a some of these guys are really shallow and they don't want to be held accountable uh, for their actions. So. Well, I mean, David has a really great point. And the fact of the matter is, is like, if they just, if they are expecting to be treated with a certain level of respect because of their position, then they need to be held to a higher standard. That's the fact of the matter is, but the fact of the matter, I mean, the reality of it is, is that they want to be treated with the utmost respect, but have zero responsibility for their actions, as long as they are permitted to go out there, you know, guns blazing, then jump behind the big blue wall whenever something goes wrong, as long as there is an industry out there that can actually profit from printing 
black men on target posters as long as that is in our society that there's never going to be a change because the fact matters there's there are people out there supporting it there are people out there that is what that is their go-to is until there is a fundamental shift in our in the mindset of of our populace it's not going to change well ladies and gentlemen ajc radio just cause organization is committed to being a voice in this hour to call out injustice wherever we can find it. That is our job. That is our duty. We'll continue to do so. Again, our prayers and thoughts are with the family of Jalen Walker uh, for what has taken place and what has happened. Till next time, America, stay hopeful, prayerful, and thoughtful of those that find themselves in harm's way. Till next time, this is AJC Radio. Good night.